Hello, and welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. And I'm Tim Wade, and I'm a vice president at NTT Limited in the Advanced Technology Group. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I am uh, uh, thrilled to have you because uh, uh, you sound like you're doing something very exciting. <laughs> and that's not always the case when people are talking about uh, data measurement, monitoring, and statistical analysis and things of that sort. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, we are, we are, we're doing something really exciting. It's, um, I mean, it's obviously July at the moment while we're recording this and, mm -hmm. and the Tour de France is on. And um I'm part of the team that, that captures data there and does analysis of that data, makes predictions, and there's lots of really cool stuff that we're actually right in the middle of. I mean, the stage just finished about 30 minutes ago for me. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so the, and, and, I, and I really appreciate you doing this, uh, you know, time-wise, because, yeah, I know this is probably an incredibly busy time. Um, uh, back in, uh, I guess, 2019 is the last time that Light Reading wrote about the tour uh, and the the kind of the the data side of the tour. So at the time we, we wrote about, a an executive, uh, who had, uh, uh, who was working with, uh, uh I think it was dimension data, which ended up, uh, NTT ended up acquiring. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about how training teams were able to look at real time data, manage things like calories, hydration, and pace during, uh, an endurance cycling race like the tour de France. Um, it, I'm really eager to hear about what's um, how that's changed and advanced, and just sort of what the um, what the process is now for capturing data and doing analysis while the cyclists are, you know, are on the course. How do you how are you able to do that and not you know interfere with uh, you know with their concentration with their athletic performance? Yeah, I think you know it's 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 an interesting challenge even getting data from a cyclist, let alone the deployment and fitting of, of, of sensors on each of the bikes. So the way that we, we actually approach this is um, that, that each, each rider, so each bike has a sensor that's put under the saddle. Uh, and this sensor actually only gives us, amazingly gives us just three pieces of information. So it gives us latitude, longitude, and speed. And, and the way that we then, we, we then get that back to, to the end of the race. I mean, if you think about the Tour de France, it's, really different environments everywhere you know you can be one day in a city you could be at the top of a mountain you could be in rural france they're very different environments you know and we've had to look at this in a way that gives us reliable data so we actually have a, a two-stage transmission that that, it, that gets this back for us and the first stage is we kind of use a, a, a frequency in the 900 megahertz range and we use the um, the cycle, the motorcycles with the cameras on as relays um, to the, the the airplane. There's a fixed wing airplane in the sky, and oh, wow. yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty intense. So you know the the data will go either you know via one of these relays or directly to the fixed wing, depending on on the distance between them. And once we're there, we kind of we kind of a little bit easier because that's the the same path the tra same transmissions path that the the actual video broadcast goes as well so you know the, there's sort of eight motorcycles going around the stage and and they're all transmitting back the video feeds and these are then obviously mm -hmm. directed at the end of the stage um, by by the producer um, but they basically from that fixed wind microwave back to the end of the race and we just multiplex into that and, and sort of piggyback on 
on that um, <laughs> you know that transmission route. Once it's at the end of the race, it's it's way easier for us because there's fiber deployed at the end of, in the zone technique, and, and and that makes transmission back up to the cloud where we do all the analysis way easier. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um... Let's pause for one second. I want to bring in my co-host Kelsey Zeiser, who was uh, uh, was cycling around her block and, and didn't get here for the intro. <laughs> but, but now she's now, now she's probably out of breath. But I think she's here. She she should be okay. You doing all right, Kelsey? Yeah, made it. <laughs> you're in the spirit. You're in the spirit of things, then, Kelsey. Yeah, with, with cycling. I have a. I do have a Raleigh road bike. It's like an old uh, steel frame. It's oh nice. yeah. Would yeah cool. would would be way far behind and when you're out when you're riding around the neighborhood are there ever uh, uh single wing planes following you or people on motorcycles just suspiciously right behind you with cameras does that ever happen the only um weird thing i run into is sometimes there's like a a, a copperhead or like a snake on the greenway oh dear <laughs> i don't wow. yeah I, that's kind of curious. I wonder if, um, you know, in the Tour de France, they probably don't run into that too much. No, but... I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't. <laughs> they, do, they do cross a, a lot of, of varieties of terrain. I mean, well, that was that was one of the the more interesting things I've, I've, I was, you know, wondering about collecting the data on the on the path was mm -hmm. the fact that they are kind of going into so many different um, terrain types. That's what makes the race so compelling anyway, yeah. you know, is that it's not, it's not just a bike race. It's a, it's a tour and there's so many uh, outside, uh, you know, environmental things that could go wrong if you're trying to gather data, even from a very short distance away or in a, or if you have a very clear view of something, it doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, you know, transmitting and receiving that data is not terribly, uh, well, it's, it's not trivial. <laughs> it's it's not, it seems pretty hard. It's not a trivial, it's definitely not a trivial exercise. And, and there's even more dynamics. I think one of, one of the things that, I mean, when we, when we started this in, in 2015, you know, mm -hmm. we, we, we managed to get about 80% coverage for the whole race, you know, while, whilst transmitting. Um, and we're now in the 99%, you know, so we, we've got a really good solid base. We still get, you know, I, one of the things that I found interesting is we still get gaps in that data. And then you'll look and think, why have we got a gap for everybody in this particular place? And they've gone under a bridge. And therefore, mm. we don't have, oh, you know, yeah. live data. So we've had to create algorithms that do interpolation for us. So if we lose people for a, for a little while, then it's not noticeable for the people that are watching. And we, we take information from, you know, so we obviously have, the information from those 198 riders or however many are, are, are actually racing that day. Um, and we can use the riders around them to understand that rider because we know that they're not going to have, <laughs> if they're in the middle of the peloton, we're pretty sure that they're not going to have accelerated off. You know, they're going to be going at the same pace as everybody else. So this allows us to, to fill in those black spots. I'm just curious, is, um, as you're monitoring them, are there at ever, um, I guess, safety considerations. I imagine there's so many cameras around. You usually do see when someone crashes and it's probably pretty easy <laughs> to then find them. But I mean, does collecting that data help at all with, um, you know, identifying where, uh, what if a rider just like went off down the hill or something? 
<laughs> no, I mean, finding them. I know I'm thinking like worst case scenario. Yeah, no, you're, you're thinking like I'm writing. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or I mean, myself. It, it has happened. Can though. you I find mean, me if I go down this wrong hill? We could find your bike, you know. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> start. You know, I think if you look, safety is a big thing. And, you, and we've seen a lot of, of crashes this year. Um, you, you know, I think us understanding where cyclists are, you know, help us. But I'm, I'm going to say that we're in a position, luckily, that we haven't had to use the trackers to find somebody that's gone missing. Um, you know, there are a lot of cameras and it's it's very difficult for people to slip through the net. I, I, like, I'm touching wood while I say this because, you know, the safe, safety is paramount <laughs> for all those guys. And, and the last thing we want is them, is them flying off somewhere. You know, we want them all to be safe and we want it to be an entertaining race where they can, you know entertain the, the public and, and challenge themselves so <laughs> what um what what uh, role i guess some of the technologies that come into play here you know you mentioned you know ntt has been involved in this uh pursuit since around 2015 of uh you know monitoring the race doing uh doing data analysis and it's it's a, it was such a different world in 2015 awesome. um how have things like especially ai and um, and five, you know, five G networks kind of come into play, or or helped that process along, you know, and helped, and, and has it has it led to any, uh, you know, new understanding of what's going on in the race? You know, I think we've we've actually started using, you know, newer technologies to to help us. I'm going to say expand what we're doing at the race, right? So, I mean, if you if you think about what we started doing in 2015, it was really about let's get an understanding of what's happening. You know, let's let's track the riders and let's understand where they are. And then over the, the, the subsequent years, we've then built out the algorithms that help us really understand the context of the race. So, you know, understanding what group people are in, what position they're in, you know, which what altitude they're in, bringing weather in, um, and, and bringing um, ordnance survey data so that we can understand terrain in more detail. Those fifty, I mean, those three pieces of information that we have initially, you know, get expanded out to over fifty pieces of information per rider per second. But to, to answer your question, you know, AI, machine learning, what have these things helped us do? They've helped us actually start to predict what's happening in the race. You know, who do we think is going to win the stage? Who do we think is going to you know, you could ask me who 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 we think was going to win the tour this year. I actually don't. I haven't. I don't know if, if, if like who we've actually predicted this year if if they're still in the race. Um, I'm not going to do that until I get the until I get real time betting. That's the other technology I'm waiting on. You know, I haven't had that. You know, made. You know, so now I would have to still go down to my. Uh, my well, I'm not going to tell you where I go. I, there's a guy I know that does a yeah, thing. Yeah, I was like, don't give too many. Eventually, they'll get it on my phone, and then we'll have this conversation. It'll actually be quite profitable for me. It'd be great. So, but 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 I think you know. So so. Predicting, we've, we've, we've obviously used machine learning models to, to sort of understand riders, make predictions on, on stages and, and the race. Um, but this year, we've actually started expanding out, you know, the, the data collection part of this to, to wider than just the race, you know, to the event. So really creating a, 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 a smart stadium, you know, the world's biggest connected stadium, if you will. Um, and this means that, that AI is playing a bigger part. I mean, one of the elements of that is is we're using AI to to use cameras to count people. You know, so getting an understanding of, of the people at the end of the race and with with the goal of that particular thing to be able to say, you, you know, you imagine 
there's these people that the, the, the fans they travel to the Tour de France from all over the world, and sometimes they'll sit at the side of the road for three days, four days before the stage even gets there, you know, just so that they've got a good position. So you imagine being able to use you know camera information and AI with with AI models on there to say actually this is this this place is busy now. And through an application, then they can say, well, actually, if you go 100 meters down the road, you're going to get just as good a, a, a view, but there's no yeah. people there. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah, that's interesting for, you know, where to set up camp. And um, for me, again, I would need the, you know, where's the flatter place where you're not going to roll off? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm so concerned about that. No, <laughs> Kelsey's fear of hills is coming into play here. <laughs> It's usually, it's actually usually the mountains, the, the iconic alpine climbs where the people are, are sitting there waiting for days on end because they tend yeah. to close the road a few days before. So if you're not there, then you have to walk up basically. You know? Oh, yeah. wow. They're braver than me. I think I'd be in, in like a pub at the end. Waiting yeah. To yeah. yeah. They're waiting to the greet the riders after, afterward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, you mentioned the the smart stage, and I know a component of that is um, digital twinning, which sounds really cool. <laughs> um, for for listeners that maybe aren't as familiar with that, how would you describe um, a digital twin, and and how does that um, play a role in developing that that smart stage? Do you know, I think the the easiest way that I've found to describe this is it's a digital version of a physical space or a physical event or a physical something. Um, so, so if you if you think about it in the context of the Tour de France, it's a digital version of the of the event. Um, yeah, I mean, it's and, and if you, if, I mean, I can dig into that a little bit. We kind of the way that we look at this is, you know, creating a, a digital twin of the event enables us to do a couple of different things. It enables us for the fan to to bring innovative services, ultimately, like you know, where's the best place to watch it. Where's the toilet? <laughs> I mean, that's like... Oh, yeah, that's one. actually really important, too, it's, especially yeah. if they're out there for three days. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, and, and, and then, again, it's it's the same for the people that are working there. I mean, this year and last year, I'm not on the ground with my team, but before that, we spent every every July on the ground. And was, I was laughing about this a few days ago with one of my other team members, and, you know, every time that we went to the end of the stage, you know, every fresh day, it's a completely different environment. You know, it's, it's different, very different from the day before. And so the first thing that we're, we're going, actually, where's our truck? And we would spend five minutes looking for our truck. Right? So having, <laughs> it, and it's something so simple, wastes so much mm-hmm. time and it's so inefficient for us. Having something as simple as being able to understand what's the, where's, you know, having a tracker on our truck, right? Telling us so that you know on all the other trucks, so that we know where all these trucks are, we know where they've been deployed, and we know where the VIP areas are, the entrance and exits. Is it's just I mean it's just one layer of that digital twin, but it's something that's so helpful. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. Imagine. You don't always think about all those little components like who parked the truck last, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where might it be, and but yeah, that's that's definitely all really helpful for for mapping out what it looks like and. Um, just making things run a little bit more seamlessly. Yeah. Does so, give... I mean, oh, sorry. go ahead. It's it's kind of like we we you know we've we've looked at this. We've got um, we've got all these different layers of of information. If you think about you know there's there's a lot of information right now that's available for for the event. So there's like a, a KMZ file, you know, a Google Earth file that we can see that's got all the information on it. You know, so this is this is where we're gonna have the finish line. This is the stage, this is the finish line, this is the, you know, the, the contextual information of the race. 
but then there's parts on there that's that's the event as well so this is where the press tribunes are for example this is where the vip zone is going to be so you have these this this mapping information but it actually it's it needs to be quite dynamic that stuff does it, it can change with the blink of an eye and, and and it's happened to us before a few years ago um we were meant to be at the top of mount one two um so they had a, they'd kind of got a technical zone that was split into two uh, and the one we were meant to be at the one at the top and it was so windy that they had to actually move the finish line like eight hours before the stage started they moved the finish line down the mountain they moved the technical zone and it really was a big big issue for for everybody so we need to make this dynamic so we can take all these plans but then have a way to manipulate them manually um so we've got that kind of base set of layer and then we've we've added a a, a, a set of dynamic you know um locations I'll, I'll say this next layer so you know trackers on trucks on merchandise on toilets i mean that's not a great one but you know what i mean and on, on entrances and yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well but if they change location you definitely want to know yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean but you it's, can it's see just... through someone's pranking you well it's the whole thing of like you know it's when you go to a stadium you know it's like that's the thing you never think about it's like everything stays exactly where it is you yeah, know right. but, a, but in a dynamic race like the tour yeah, it's uh, something's going to change. You, it would be nice. How do you, how do you, you know, react to that change as quickly as possible? Um, it's not a, only that. A, it's like you know, how do I if 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 I'm if I'm working there, how do I, you know, if I, I want navigation to go and take me wherever I want to go, you know, so how do I get to the merchandise store, for example, or how do I get to the restroom, or you know, and right. if you think you can't just pull your phone out and use whatever navigation software that you use. Because right. it doesn't actually reflect what's happened there that day, because everything's completely different. Uh, yeah. I, again, I was like, well, while I was talking about this to my colleague, we, <laughs> I remember going to try and buy my son um, some merchandise. I bought him a yellow jersey a few years ago, and I remember we were we, we were one side of the track, and you could see the merchandise van the other side of the track or the stage, but we couldn't walk across there because the race was on. And we ended up having to walk about three kilometers round to, to get to it because, it, you know, it, there may have been a quicker, more efficient way, but we didn't know. We just kind of fumbled our way around to, to get there. So it's kind of like how do we, we can take all this information, these different layers, and then create stuff like, you know, services like wayfinding that help people <laughs> enjoy it the most or if they're working there, work in the most efficient way. Yeah, just navigating around to get to get your work done is a great um, uh, is, a, is, a, is a great reason for that technology to exist. Let alone the spectator end of it. Um, yeah. I so feel I, like I need this for. I was just going to say real quickly, need it for like Mobile World Congress or something. Oh, definitely. Yeah, help me like, get where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, that place it's like, is just so big. I mean, it's yeah. yeah I, I mean. <laughs> All, all you end up going through about twenty halls, don't you? And it's you do need that. Yeah. It, well, and getting the the you know the uh, hopefully it'll get back back to that level next year. But it's like we get it, but getting from place to place there. Like even though the physical structure doesn't change, like what they built, you know, in 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 the hall makes it look completely different, you know, and and uh, and, yeah. and 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 also distances, you know, like just knowing knowing where the closest anything is, is really difficult there because you can't see around corners as much. Um, the, uh, so to kind of, uh, we're, we're coming up against it time-wise, but to, to, to put a bow on this, um, what, what applications can you see this having that this, this, uh, this type of, uh, 
technology, whether it's digital twinning or what you what you all are able to do on the analytics side, um, you know, in the cloud, wh- where do these app? What are other applications where this uh, where what's happening at the tour kind of shows up in in uh, in, in in the world? Well, I think you, you know you you, you you kind of mentioned five G earlier, and I never really you know got around to to, to talking about it. it I mean. 5G is obviously going to open up this huge amount of bandwidth for us on on the, on the mobile network, um, and and private 5G obviously then enables that in a in a more closed environment. Um, you know, the I think the view is the industry view is there's going to be millions of this millions of sensors that are going to start getting deployed because we have the bandwidth to be able to utilize this. So what does that actually mean, really? Where do we see the applications for this? I think. You know, as I as I think about this, one of the the, the, the interesting ones that I've thought um, is is around you know manufacture, for example, uh, and if we have a factory where we've created that digital twin almost of the factory, that would enable us to to make I'm going to say digital changes, you know, and analyze them before we actually physically do that. Which the connotations of that are, 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 are quite amazing because you, you imagine being able to reconfigure your factory without reconfiguring it, right. and then you know you could then create the most efficient version of that model, you know, the most efficient model, digital model of it, before you then go ahead and implement it. So the cost savings around things like that, are, I think, are, are phenomenal. Um, but it, I don't think it stops there. I think it, it you know, it, it spans all industry verticals. Yeah, that's interesting. With the the yeah the one the one kind of crowning achievement for five G is going to be the fact that it's it's a, um, a you know a, such a uh, it's able to connect so many different devices so efficiently you know to the yeah. network and give them all high bandwidth uh, throughput. That is going to be, um, a, I think, a game changer for sure. Um, interesting about the yeah about digital twinning and sort of making changes before you make them in the physical world that, that, I, that had never occurred to me, but man, that would, that would save so much money in terms of, um, you know, when somebody has some sort of plan, they, they could take the time to do a little more analysis and actually, you know, make sure that, that there, there's no blind spot, that there's, there's nothing that, crops up that they didn't think about like, Oh, actually we've increased the distance here. It's going to make this more, yeah. you know, inefficient or, or what have you. Well, I think uh, that's where uh, we create the, you know, sort of AI models that then do that for us. You know, this is the, <laughs> an AI created digital twin of a factory, for example. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's a, that, that could, that, like you say, that, that, that holds all kinds of possibilities, but I mean, it right. also makes for, um, you know, everything from event planning to, um, you know, to commercial real estate, I, I feel like it would really, you know, make those industries way more efficient than they are now, um, which could be really interesting. Yeah, I think. Look, I mean, just just to add, I think if I then look look back in a little bit to 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 this in in the context of, of a live event, you know, we, we, those different layers and sensors that we have, and then understanding people. So you know, when we understand the event structure. And you know, crowd flow and time that people are, are spending at particular places in a crowd. You know, we can almost have, we can almost envision at some point an AI event. You know, where 
the the AIs mapped and modeled how people react and, and interact with an event, and then they create the best version of that event for, for, for you know maximum pleasure for people, basically. Yeah. So next up will be digital twin Coachella. Yeah. <laughs> that's. Uh... <laughs> I think that's a good place to leave it. Let's let's uh, let's leave it there. Uh, Tim Wade from NTT, thank you so much for uh, for being on the podcast and uh, and and, uh, and and for the work you're doing at the Tour de France. It's me. It's it's a, it's a uh, thanks for sharing the story. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Uh-huh.